never say die! Hey, hello everybody and welcome to episode 236, 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And preparing for the show, it occurred to me that card games, especially poker, are sometimes a metaphor for life. Like when you check raise with pocket kings on the button, trap the guy representing Jackson the flop, and it comes up Jack King Deuce, and then you get a bad beat from the drunk playing 6-4 offsuit who rivers a straight. And if that was confusing to you, when Pat and I start talking about poker, it's going to be pretty much like our cricket segments. I heard words. <laughs> Funny thing is, is, I'm sure Patrick followed 100% of that. Well, do you you want me to bust your balls or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. You can't check raise on the button. You can't? Well, I mean, oh, wait, yeah. are you first in on the button? No, you're last in. If you check on the button, then, then we just go to the next card. If it's checked around to you on the button, then you check. You're right. Yep. You're right. That's a new record. I have never been this lost in a show this early. <laughs> I was going to say first position, but the button was more jargony. Yep. Oh, you could have said under the gun. That would have worked. Interesting. I've never heard first position referred to as under the gun. Yeah, poker yep. segments are going to be really long for people that aren't into <laughs> poker. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go get a sandwich while that's going on. <laughs> I'm going to grab my six-shooter. <laughs> yeah, so we are doing... Six-gun, damn it. If you're going to like try and mess with me, it's six-gun. Six-shooter is the right way to say it. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Now you're messing with me like at a meta level? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, He's I'm, lying. He didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know what bridges are. We've established this. I'm going to go play with my button. <laughs> All right. So if that made any sense to you. <laughs> I love that now we're dropping in jokes from Coffin Joe with our normal in jokes. <laughs> nice. Um, we're doing non-collectible card games. Uh, seeing that there is a big divide in the number of those games, we're decided anything that just a game that resides entirely in a box. So, or a you pack. Know, or... If you like boxes and in jokes from Coffin Joe, you can get both by listening to the Coffin Joe cast on the Podcast Collective, as well as other shows. He makes boxes. Such as On the Block. I don't want to go in the box. <laughs> Dating baggage. What's in the box? I am Salt Lake. Get in the box. Mint in box cast. Does that count as mine? And of course, the oh. Rad Dad Radio Hour. I think that does count. boxes. Dad. Wow. Okay. Cigar box guitar. Somehow this is less weird than our usual Saturday morning shows. I know, right? Well, it's because we're not in the morning anymore. Oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um. So yeah, if you're looking for our Speak older for stuff. I've been awake for 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Talk to you, Podverse FM, all those other places. And if you want to give us a call, 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. We also have our uh, Saturday show, uh, which probably just went live um, on Geek Life Radio. Oh, oh wow. yeah. yeah. Wow. It's probably running exactly like the same time we are. They're probably about to go into the tweet like we are. That probably. is so weird. It's meta. Wow. Yeah. It's shortly going to get to the point. I, I know that on Facebook, uh, I always get in this day. Frequently, we have a show premiering. Like in a couple of years, there will be an in this day on my Facebook every day with a show we've done. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think I was saying it was this October, at the end of October, where if someone who is new to the show decided to listen to one show a day, they will have gone the full year without any repeats. Nice. Huh. You just blew my mind. Yeah. Well, you've only been up for 12 minutes, so. 
that's just a good point. Yes, that is, that is true. We're, we are recording on a different night than normal, so everything is liable to be. <laughs> this is yeah, different night as in day. That's what right. they call it when the sun is up, Patrick. And what? there's a 20% less chance of Mike being smashed by the end of the show. Yeah, <laughs> only 20. <laughs> All right, so wow. no feedback. No, no uh, voicemail. Uh, you know, I could have sworn there was something on Twitter or. No, somebody hit us up on Facebook. I don't remember what it was about. Um, huh. Damn it! What was someone it? actually sent us a message on Facebook? Yeah, about about, about uh, somebody was talking about collectible card games. He was talking about how how much he loved Uno, wasn't it? Who was that? Timmy Jojo Shapadu? <laughs> no, it was uh, Karate Monkey Death Car. Super Karate Death Monkey Car. Whatever you fucking. Oh, okay. No, we did have some Twitter stuff. I, I believe this is from Nikki. She said, "In high school, we played a game called Presidents and Assholes." Yep, I've played that. And then it immediately gets into political humor, which I'm not going to get into. We don't do that here. That's a um, it's a drinking game mostly. Oh. Because like when you're president, you can make everybody drink. Um, and when you're asshole, when when anybody drinks, you have to drink. There's all kinds of things, you know. Huh. And it's a completely different game from the other drinking game, asshole. Right. Which we will definitely be talking about because that was a standard for me in the now, the early now. (laughs) I'm playing it (laughs) at this moment. So, yeah, uh, about that time, then. I think it's about that time. Well, this week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. All right. So we, um, 1996, July 24th was the date that the creation of Flux uh, came out, which is a game created by a friend of the show, Andrew Looney, uh, who created it at Looney Labs. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with uh, Andrew last year at Gen Con when we were doing Instant Game Show. Oh, yeah. He really jumped in. We got the the sudden um, announcement of Doctor Who Flux being announced at one of our games without him consulting the media types. <laughs> Yeah. Or his wife. Yeah. yeah. Shut and, up! And as soon as he said it, he looked at her and he's like, well, I'm in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great moment, though. It really yeah. was. Yeah, so uh, this weekend, July 24th, 1996. All right, music. The top show in the land for a week run was You're Making Me High, Let It Flow by Tony Braxton, which was knocked off by Macarena, the Bayside Boy mix, by Los Del Rio when it went on a 13-week run. Hey, Macarena. Hi. What an awful song. I still love it. And I'm not sure why. I know that it is objectively awful. I mean, I like a lot of really bad stuff, but it's got to be like, there's, there's a, it's a weird Venn diagram of like, just got to be appropriately cheesy and bad and not so bad. It makes like Macarena is so bad. It makes me mad, but like, um, (laughs) You, know, but you hate Cha Cha Slide though too. True. I kind of think most people who like Macarena also like Cha Cha Slide. I would probably 100% agree with that. That's that's got to be a that Venn diagram. I think is just one circle. <laughs> I don't like the Cha Cha Slide. That's me. But you like Macarena? I don't like Macarena. See? Okay. See? Okay. So yeah. far, our, our hypothesis has been tested once. And I don't know Mike doesn't like either one, so nope. That's twice. And I like both. So we're 0 for 4, or 4, 4 for 4 on our theory. Let's do a Macarena show. Uh, hey. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. All right. So on that note, 
The Shangri-Las were an American pop girl group from the 1960s whose image was of street tough young girls rather than the usual squeaky clean image of the other all-girl pop groups of the time. Between 1964 and 1966, they charted with teen melodramas and remain especially known for the pack, remember Walking in the Sand, and give him a big, great big kiss. I almost forgot the word great. Give him an October kiss. <laughs> the group was formed at Andrew Jackson High School in Queens, New York in 1963. There were two sets of sisters, identical twins Marguerite and Marianne Cancer, and Mary and Betty Weiss. In April 1964, when the girls were still teenagers, their parents signed them with Redbird Records. The, their first success was the summer hit Remember Walking in the Sand with a then-unknown session musician playing on the track named Billy Joel. Wow. I huh. did not know that, and I know that song pretty well. Yeah, and I didn't know that either. Then who name. wrote it? <laughs> Probably Smokey Robinson. I don't know. <laughs> in 2004, the Shangri-Las remember Walking in the Sand placed number 393 on, I'm sorry, 395, good lord, on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs <laughs> of all time. On July 28th of this week, Marge Ganser was the first member of the Shangri-Las to reunite with the leader of the pack, meaning she died? Yes. She was absorbed, 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 absorbed. That sounded nothing like the Shangri-Las. Not at all. That was Billy Joel. <laughs> well, that was just Joel. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, and finally, Jason Matthew Thrisk was the bass player of the California punk rock band Pennywise, formed in 1988 by Thrisk. Thrisk, who had been in rehabilitation for alcoholism and suffered from depression, died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound in the age of 28 on July 29th. The band decided to continue making music after Thrisk's death, and brought in bass guitarist Randy Bradbury from One Hit Wonder, and he was absorbed. Not Randy, but Jason. Thirsk. Yeah, I, it was bugging me the whole time, too. But I, I don't want to be that guy 100% of the time, so thank you. I'm thirsty. Uh, it was bothering me so much. <laughs> I don't know how this transition has happened. It's like <laughs> right. It's like episode one to eighty. I was incapable of saying a sentence without stumbling over my words, and Joel just sort of took the baton from me and ran with it. And I'm very proud of you, Joel. I'm not sure if you guys like split like a like a worm that reproduced, or if he, he totally took it over. Well, well uh, maybe you guys have forgotten that Mike used to do all of this weekend. Yeah. So I mean, maybe it it was a fatigue thing. Yeah, I don't. I'm know. thinking it was. Well, but if there's a baton to be passed, eventually I'm going to get all the way around the track to Mike again, and he's going to pick it up and run with it. So No, no, that's going to go to Pat. That's mm -hmm. my guess. Yeah. I, I will occasionally touch it, but more in the not-in-my-house, smacking it out of your hand. <laughs> all right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Independence Day. Yeah. This was... Yeah, no. Suzanne and I went to go see this at um, in Disney World for our honeymoon. Nice. Yeah, great sound I was, system. I was going to say, there isn't a whole lot more we could say about that, considering we already talked about it for like an hour. Yeah, true. Yeah, if you want to know what we think about that, go watch the Go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah. watch, go watch the show. <laughs> well, what did, we, what did we pair that with? Independence Day. The new one? Oh, all right. Well, that was easy. See, now you wonder why I'm saying jo that it's not going to be Josh taking the baton. There huh? you go. That's the reason why. Huh? Not in my house. I'm waiting for the day where Patrick completely does not the Peter Pan show again. <laughs> Who said that? By himself? Mm -hmm. Who is this? Might be better. Who are you people? Movies released this week included Kazam, The Frighteners, Multiplicity, and A Time to Kill. Oh, I like The Frighteners. 
That's a great movie. Yeah, I, there's only one of these movies that I haven't seen, and I wish it was a different one than it was. Ooh, he's seen Kazam. I have seen Kazam. <laughs> I, I wish I could unsee Kazam and watch Multiplicity instead. Oh, well, I am luckily the one who has, has has done this correctly, and I've seen everything but Kazam. Yes. Hey, Steve, want some pizza? <laughs> the Multiplicity is a is a funny movie. It has it has uh two or three really really laugh out loud moments. So, but it's it's not like hysterical throughout or anything, you know. But it's def, definitely funny. It's a good movie. Good prime Michael Keaton. When the, when the clones start cloning themselves is when it gets really funny. Nice. I got to pick that one up again. Watch that. <laughs> one of the clones trying to explain it to the original guy. He's like, you know how when you make a copy of a copy, sometimes it comes out a little blurry. <laughs> <laughs> then the, the one guy looks up, hey, Steve. All right. Aliki Stamatina Vujioklaki was a Greek actress and theatrical producer. She was one of the most popular actresses in Greece and was given the title of the National Star of Greece. She died after fighting pancreatic cancer at the age of 62 on July 29th. There's no chance you're going to know anything she was in at all or know who she was. There was nothing for movies this week. So absorb. And despite how careful I was being, there's only a 50% chance that I pronounced her name, right? (laughs) I was being exceptionally close, but with those Greek names, sometimes. Yeah. They have a lot of hidden, uh, ah, damn it. Yeah. A lot of head not syllables. Syllables, damn it, that's the word. Or syllables that are pronounced differently from the way they would be phonetically, which is how I said it. Yeah, I mean they, their language is like, like the, the, one of the number one uh, young stars in the NBA right now. His name is, uh, if you just pronounced it the way it looks, it's uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, but the actual name is uh, Giannis Anta, Antetokounmpo or something like that. It's like really, you know. So yeah, the Greek language is a little bit because uh, they have a completely different la- alphabet than we do. Yep. First. So there's a lot of things that don't translate into English well. We hired a, a Greek guy. I was writing down some stuff, wrote his name, and by the end of his name, I was doing trigonometry. <laughs> yeah, my current doctor, his name is Aristides Asimakopoulos. Nice. I love that kind of milk. One of my, one of my, uh, do you guys remember one of my friends from uh, from college? He played on the basketball team. Uh, he was, he actually played on the Greek national team. Uh, Panayotis Stamatis. Remember that guy? He might have been, he was before you guys, and I can't remember if there was any overlap or not. No. I think you either mentioned him. Was he on the team of ringers that had ringers and then me for no reason? <laughs> yeah, you were, we... the, you were the one on the team to prove that it wasn't all ringers. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I only played with that team, like, <clears throat> once. <laughs> I, how do I not know this? I, I don't think I've ever heard about this. No, you were with us. It was, what? you brought in a bunch of guys for intramural basketball. None of which went to the school, and there are all these guys who are great at basketball. Oh my god! I and forgot me. about that. Yeah, because I brought because it started with Nick. I brought Nick on the. T- I forgot about that. And then Nick brought Tuan, and he brought yeah. Oh, and then it went, it went a little crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. and because I had a history of fouling out yep. of intramural basketball, this was like my second or third season playing I am basketball, and I fouled out so badly they told me I couldn't play anymore. Yeah, because you clotheslined that one dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to guard him, <laughs> and he was too fast. So Josh just decided I'm gonna just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop him on this play. I'm just gonna stop him in life. <laughs> I just stuck out an arm. Yeah, not to mention all. And, they, and they threw him out, and he just kind of shrugged and walked off. Like, That's fair. Right. I forgot. I, I I remembered everything, but I but I completely forgot that I brought all those guys in. 
I, f- I forgot all about well, that. Basketball wasn't as bad as a fiasco that uh, floor hockey was. Oh. Oh, it yeah. Great. The difference we were great was. For one game. Oh. <laughs> the first game, we were amazing, and then after that, we, it all fell apart. Oh, I always used to say, you might beat us, but you'll always remember you played us. <laughs> I played. Ba- uh, basketball and floor hockey the same way, only I never got thrown out of floor hockey. <laughs> so wait, we're going to give this guy a stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I almost became the, the first goalie in Concordia history to get into a fight. Remember that one? That was funny. Like, hey, somebody told them this isn't full contact. <laughs> somebody tell them this is a Christian college. <laughs> yeah. And that Let's one just game. check that guy into the boards. We don't even have boards. <laughs> they brought their they own brought boards. Own board. <laughs> what are you putting up boards to check you into? <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> All right. So TV. Uh, the top shows in the land were ER, Seinfeld, Suddenly Susan, and The Naked Truth. I don't know. I know three of those four. What's The Naked Truth? Uh, wasn't that the one with um, Leah Thompson? Oh, now it sounds familiar. Okay. She played, a, she played a reporter. Yeah, like a tabloid. Yeah, reporter. yeah. That's yeah. on Netflix now, it looks like. Oh, cool. Doesn't ring a bell. Was I, was I right? Yeah, you are. Yeah, all right, cool. Mark off one. Oh, wait, the one on uh, Netflix is actually a documentary series. Yeah. I'm, I'm right a lot, sir. I. Well, I mean... I'm, I'm, just, not, I'm just I'm glad he's I'm never wrong, but I'm right a lot. I'm just saying that he saved you a lot of time because you would have went on Netflix and would have watched it for a day and a half trying to figure out where the hell Leah Thompson was. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you go on Netflix is like this shit isn't funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I took my pants off and there's no Leah Thompson in this. <laughs> on that I note, a lot. <laughs> July 21st, The Daily Show. I'm just sitting here waiting for some nudity. <laughs> <laughs> Hosted by Craig Kilborn, premiered on Comedy Central. I love The Daily Show. It's funny. Or at least it was. I haven't watched it in years. It's, it's, I mean, Trevor Noah, I, I wasn't sure about him at first, but he's really coming to his own. He's doing well. Yeah, I say I haven't watched it. I think I mean I haven't watched it on TV because that's one of those shows that I see a lot of it posted to Facebook the day after, like right. Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Conan O'Brien. Like and I can't. To yeah. be honest, you'll you'll do just fine watching the clips that people post because they're going to post the best of and everything. And, you know, I would say probably half the interviews are just not interesting because they, they do give it a lot of people a lot of exposure. So and there's a, so there's a lot of very niche type interviews. Okay, so it's not like last week tonight with John Oliver where you do get to see the best, but the rest of it is just about as good. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, Herbert Edelman. That name does not bode well for this guy. <laughs> that is not a millennial. Yeah. Uh, was an American actor of stage, film, and television, twice nominated for a TV Emmy. One of his best-known roles was Stanley Zorbnak. Yeah, I'll go with that. Ex-husband of Dorothy Zorbnak, played by Zornak. Beatrice Zornak. Okay. Zornak. Played by Zornak. Beatrice Arthur on Golden Girls. Zornak. Zornak. <laughs> now we got an infestation. <laughs> Thank you for subscribing to Betty White Facts. <laughs> God damn it! Exit. No. You are now subscribed to Barry Whitefix. Ooh. Right. That'd be cool. Uh, he also had a recurring role on Saint You're now Elsewhere. Subscribed to Great White Fix. No, oh. don't want that. Great White does not know how to use fireworks. <laughs> Despite a few movies under his belt, including playing Murray the Cop and the Odd Couple opposite Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon, he remains best known for his three decades in television. 
He was usually a co-star, recurring character, or guest star, and made appearances on Love, American Style, Maud, Canon, Kojak, Fantasy Island, Cagney and Lacey, MacGyver, and the acronym of the week, which is WBK. I think that's Warren Buffett's kidneys. Ooh, I would watch that. I would, too. I have watched that. I've got him in a jar. Uh-huh. What? That's actually uh, Welcome Back, Cotter, uh-huh. uh, among others. Edelman died. Hey, I've got of... nose with the rubber hose. <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> kind of insult is that? Uh, Edelman died of emphysema on July 21st of this year. He was absorbed. <laughs> and you guys would definitely know Herbert Edelman if you looked at him. Well, now he would. I don't want to look at him. I was going to say he'd be the rotting flesh and skeleton. Ew. But yeah. he was he was you in the odd couple, Josh. I was a rotting flesh and skeleton in the uh No, he was couple. Murray the cop in the odd couple. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I remember that. It's a new Josh version. is a rotting corpse. You want speed or accuracy? First time on the riverboat, Mr. Maverick. <laughs> right. I want that pickle. <laughs> All right, so Virginia Christine. Oh god, here we go was a stage, radio, film, television, and voice actress with a long career as character actresses in film and television. She made appearances in the movies Cyrano de Bergiac, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and High Noon, among others. On television, she appeared in multiple guest roles on The Abbott and Costello Show, uh-oh, Dragnet, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock Presents, hmm, very slowly we're getting into the color age of television, Gunsmoke, Father Knows Best, The Rifleman, Twilight Zone, and Rawhide. The Untouchables and Perry Mason, among others. Good God. Uh, however, her greatest fame came from her 21-year stint as Ms. Olson, who had comforting words for young married couples while pouring Folgers coffee in over 100 commercials for Folgers. Her last role was on the 1979 animated series Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, in which she provided additional voices. <laughs> she was good to the last drop. Until July 24th of this year. Wow. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's good, Olson. That sucks. I mean, you do all that stuff, and the last thing you do, you're listed as additional voices. Yep. When somebody makes fun of you saying you're good to the last drop, years <laughs> after you get particularly gross. <laughs> Pat's going to be haunted by Virginia Christine. <laughs> But she's going to be polite, at least. I want coffee. Yeah, but she'll make your whole, yeah, she'll make your whole house smell like coffee. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's a curse for you. Karma. <laughs> yeah. well, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I would hate that, but so many people would love that. Moving on to sports. The 26th Olympic Games opened in Atlanta, Georgia on July 19th. This was the uh, games that, during the week, the bomb went off, remember? Oh, yeah. 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 And they I, arrested the security guy, Richard Jewell. I forgot his name, but yeah. yeah. I remember that because we were living in Georgia at the time. Yeah. Turned out that he was not guilty, but everybody was ready to hang him. <laughs> oh, yeah. 1996. Yeah, this would have been that time, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were you were a peach. You're a peach. Is he that was a, actually? Is he, that was in, he was in Georgia, Joel. That's why that. You're a peach. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a fucking idiot, but I love you. <laughs> Thirsk. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. <laughs> On July 21st, the 83rd Tour de France was won by Bjorn Rees of Denmark. That's I think that's about as good as we can get on that name. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty no, sure that's right. You're, yeah. you're good. You just at least you didn't put in his middle name. I mean, maybe it's Bjarna, but Bjorn Rees. 
I don't know. I don't know either. Moving on. Our cricket fact. On July 27th, David Sales bowled for 210 in his first-class cricket debut for Northants versus Works, which totally sounds made up. I'm pretty sure Northants versus Works was the Blood Bowl like championship. I was totally thinking Blood Bowl. I should. I was gonna make a Blood Bowl joke, but I was like, nah, too too niche. That's God, never too niche. Oh, uh, you just made my morning. Mm-hmm. All right, there's the this weekend. My brain had picked out that little portion. Ew. Mm, good to the last drop. <laughs> Take us out, keyboard Joel. Not 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 not. All right. So we we did a show on collectible card games. That was God, like almost a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. We it's did a like show on Magic: The Gathering. I was, was gonna say we talked about Magic. We talked about collectible card games. We talked about D and D. And every time something goes horribly wrong with the recording. So this is another important topic to me. So like a plane's gonna hit Joel's house halfway through. <laughs> Hey, don't say that. There's like an airport like three blocks over, and I'm not even kidding. Rockford Airport is literally, oh. I can see it from my front door. Well, how amazing is it, too, that that, that like, you were having trouble reaching me, and I was I was still asleep, and Josh, Josh was like, God, God. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, crap. And we knew because we were going to be talking about poker. This was not a show we could start without you. <laughs> All righty. So, Non-collectible card games is the theme of this week. (laughs) That explains why Mike was so quiet. Nice pull. Wow. All right, so I guess we could start off with, like, I think when people are growing up playing card games, the first ones they're going to play are going to be a traditional family card game. Something like Uno or maybe something even a little lower in terms of complexity. But I'm kind of curious, what were favorites when we were growing up? Stuff like Uno, etc. And were there any that were kind of like your family's thing? This is the game we play. Well, we had a game that a lot of people I have found don't know about. But I know at least one of you guys knows this because we talked about it. I I think it was Josh. But we used to play a game we found when we were on vacation in Florida called Millborn. Yeah. Was that you, Mike? Well, it may oh, be, but Millborn's John, I know pretty well known. Yeah. Yeah, Millborn. It, it, it wasn't back in 1980, like whatever, when I was when we were playing it. Not For sure, like yeah. card game and board game historian was not a thing when Millborn was. Yeah. I, I used to, yeah, I used to like break when people would come over to the house and we'd we'd start playing. They're like, "What the hell game is this?" <laughs> But it's such a fun game. It is. Yeah, that's like the card game equivalent of like a beer snob hears you saying that uh, Rolling Rock is <laughs> a microbrew. Is a yeah. microbrew, right? Even I know better. Or, or Blue Moon. Yeah. It's not. Millborn is the <laughs> Blue Moon of card games. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, back when 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 we had it, because I mean, we still it's in my closet have one of like the original first first run prints of that game. Oh wow. Huh. Yeah. I've never heard of that. No, it's a it's like a car race game. Yep. It's, um it's it's about it, it's a game about road trips but it's in card form and like you can throw hazards at other people and the goal is like like there are cards that have miles on them and like the goal is to accumulate x amount of miles 
and like other people could keep you from doing that as you're going along and stuff by using different hazards and you can find bonuses and yada yada blah 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 yeah it was actually a game that's old it came out in 1954 in france yes yeah and it's um okay so i probably don't have like a first run like that kind of first run (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah when you said that that was because i thought it was actually even older than the 50s but i knew it had been around a long time but I didn't want to shoot off my mouth without being 100% sure. Maybe one of the American first run prints. I don't know. That's very possible. But yeah, Melbourne means a thousand miles. And that's that's mm-hmm. usually what the games were played to. Now, I wouldn't be like shocked if Pat was in France in 1954. <laughs> Shut up. Now, Will... I, I stormed the beach at Normandy. I picked <laughs> up Melbourne when I was done. Those first uh, copies that you had, do you remember if they were both in English and French? Because a lot, a lot of the early ones were. Yeah, yeah, it, it had both languages on it. Okay, cool. Yeah, my my deck, I haven't owned one in a while, but mine was also in English and French. I'm going to go see if I can find it. It might be in my sister's closet. I'm not sure. Nice. How about you, Joel? What? Uh, favorite family card games? Were any of them, like, the thing your family played? Um, well, the, the one thing I played most commonly with family was uh, my great aunt, Aunt Reed, um, used to watch me when my mom would be at work sometimes and we'd play gin rummy, which I don't know that I remember any of the rules or anything at this point, but that was uh, a game that we played fairly often. Actually. She always liked playing that. And then um, uh, for holidays, when we weren't playing like trivial pursuit or other board games, we'd um, play hearts quite a bit. See, that's what I was looking for mostly because we're going to be talking about games with a traditional deck. I'm talking about games without the traditional deck, like stuff like Uno or Milborn. Did you grow up playing any of those? Uno occasionally, but the ones with the actual 52 card deck was, was more common. Uno was once in a while, but other than that, no, I mean, when I was little, you know, we'd play, like um old maid occasionally okay yeah no so that totally qualifies um which you know when you're a little kid i mean that's always a, a fun game which i for the life of me i can't remember did it have actual pictures on it usually yeah like yeah. Of, like cartoon like, like if you bought like an actual old maid deck yeah it was definitely you know the old maid was always at least drawn yeah okay. same thing with go fish like you could play it with a traditional deck but there were go fish decks for little kids yeah. Oh shit! I totally <clears throat> forgot about Go Fish. And then uh, Phase Ten is another one. Yeah. You know, I didn't find out about that until the now. Actually, that was a thing that I didn't play until maybe ten years ago. Huh. No, that was a thing. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Well, we played. Well, we did the Old Maid. We did the Go Fish. You know, we did those standard ones. Um, Uno was a big one for us, just because it was like the game. Um. One of the one of the things that was cool about it, I don't know if you remember about Uno. Well, originally was made, uh, was created in uh, Joliet, Illinois. I did really? not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so it's a Illinois, Chicagoland area game. Um, that's, I mean, but that was that was kind of it. One of the games I was going back and thinking about it. Do you guys remember one called Rage? It was made by the same company that did Uno, um, but it was like a trick-taking game instead of just you know hitting uh, colors and you could play different rage cards that would like change the color of the trick you would it was it was really kind of a little bit more frantic than like a rummy type game it's like like exactly imagine like the guys from uno playing playing gin rummy yeah i'm pretty sure rage is a whist variant i don't know whist but i'm probably yeah. laying a uh, guess on that if you're right 
but yeah, it's a it's a it's a trick-taking game. But you would have ones where you could literally play the you would play uh, one of the cards and it would add points to your opponent's uh, score or take away points from your own. You can change the color of the trick, uh, it, you know, change the order of the cards and that sort of thing. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds because I think the other uh, popular Whist variant marketed to families was Rook. Oh yeah, Rook, yeah, Rook was less complicated than Rage. Yeah, we liked we liked Rage. There was a couple others that we played, but I mean the the majority of like card games that we played, the first one that always comes out of the box was uh, was always Uno for us. Now it's weird. Like I played a <clears throat> bit of Uno, but the reason I phrased this question like was there a game that was your family's thing, especially on my da- dad's side of the family through my paternal grandmother, Skip Bow mm-hmm. was the game really? that like always was more popular than Uno. And they're not actually particularly similar games. You're basically trying to play up cards in a sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've played a couple of hands of Skipbo, but it's never been like a uh, a big a big hit in my family. Yeah, I mean, you're still like Uno, trying to get rid of the cards in your hand, but the way you play them and the conditions for playing them are different. Okay. Yeah, we, my family's played plenty of Skipbo. Nice. Yep. So, uh, Joel already kind of got us into this. What about the traditional games that are played with the 52 card or 54, including Jokers, decks that don't involve gambling? We're talking Hearts, Spades, Euchre, War. All right, I'm going to tell you about one real quick that my family is nuts about on my mother's side. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to need a decision from the judges if this counts. <laughs> you guys ever heard of the game Sequence? Yes. No. Yeah. Because that's a kind of a combination card game, board game, because you can't play it without the board. The board is integral, but it uses a double deck of 52 cards. Yeah, like Sequence, I would say, is a little bit more of a controversial choice than like Cribbage, which also has a board, but is very clearly a card game. Yeah, the board is only used for scoring. Yeah. Yeah, I would. eh, You're towing the line, but I'll, I'll give it to you. But I mean, it's a fa- that's a fa- that my, we play it literally all the, all the time from since I was a kid, you know. So anyway, yeah. All right, I'll just mention it and we'll move on then. Well, no, I, w- I I think that that's one where if someone had said that's not a card game, I wouldn't argue with them too hard. But I, I would call it a card game. Yeah, I would call it a card game because it has a board, but you use two decks. That's why it pushes over the line for me. Yeah, but it, I mean, if you haven't tr- if you haven't played Sequence out there, I would, I give it a, give it a try. It's fun. It is. My family always had me playing 52-card pickup. <laughs> we should need to play that at Gen Con with you. Yeah. <laughs> you you could up. hang out in the hotel lobby and we'll... <laughs> <laughs> what are you was, doing? When I was little, one of the first card games I learned was War. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I would play that against my brother and against my dad all the time until I was old enough to learn my dad's game, a game to date I have taken hands from him but never beaten him at and that's gin rummy mm. played that with my grandmother she taught me that and she taught me um 21 oh i've, I've <clears throat> probably played 200 games against my dad of gin rummy and i am over 200 oh wow. i need to play him I, that's one of the things like my dad it does not pick up lots of uh different interests the way i do he'll find one thing he likes and just absolutely master it. Nice. And the, yeah, that I, was his I, game I in the gin, Navy. I, I play uh, I play gin for money all the time down here. I'm one of the better players in, in the poker area. You know what I've recently discovered is uh, one of the 
somebody who uh, at my office, they wound up at a casino playing war. Right. I was going to mention that. Yeah. How, how when we got to the gambling part, how dumb is that? That, that war is a game spread by casinos. And then literally, it's, it's not a house edge game. Like I know, I know. Just, and that's exactly the question I had. I'm like, how does a house win on that? I mean, there's no. Yeah, the the only thing that the house does, and it's still not even an edge in their direction, is um, if you tie, you have to make another bet, and then you get three more cards, and then they flip up a card. But it's not like you know that is d- d- distinctly in the house's favor. I mean, so I wasn't that a literal scene in Vegas Vacation? Yeah. I was going to say, I was pretty sure war was in the, like, weird section. The first time I saw war in a casino, it blew my mind. I, I sat down with $20 just because I was like, what the hell's going on here? And I, I was talking to the dealer the whole time, trying to figure out everything and played it. And I lost my $20 and walked away. And I was like, well, those idiots, I can't believe they're spreading that game. What are they thinking? Right. And it dawned on me. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. The the games in the casino in Vegas Vacation were pick a number between one and ten, coin toss, rock paper scissors, guess which hand, and war. I can't believe that wars. Wow. I don't know, but like as I like I said, I was walking away and I was like, well, I did lose my twenty dollars, so I guess <laughs> it's on them, you know, yeah. whatever. Good on uh, you. Those guys are a bunch of idiots for spreading that game. Here's another twenty. I know, crazy pants. That's bizarre. I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, there's no way it doesn't make money for them because they wouldn't put it out if it didn't. I lost my house playing Guess Which Hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I did actually to Angela. I made that joke. I was like, how'd you like to be the guy at Gamblers Anonymous? Like, I lost everything playing war in the casino. <laughs> it's like, it'd be like from Half Baked. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting to me that Gin Rummy... Um, to to backpedal for a second that it it was a big thing for the older generation and i don't know is it a still a thing now i mean I, I it's definitely lost some of its steam um among the gamblers it used to be you could actually have gin tournaments and you you can't really do that now there's not enough interest but it's i mean there, there, there's a, a group of guys that meet every single uh wednesday at 10 in the morning at the poker room that i work at um, we, they have their own keys and everything to get in, and they're just a bunch of old 70, 60 to 80 year old men playing gin. Huh. That's see, that's fascinating to me that 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 the games have a an age to them. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's for sure. And I think that a lot of uh, the trick taking games, which was kind of my next question, have. Well, before we move on, I just want to I just want to brag on myself and say that I show up every now and then and whoop all their old asses. Nice. <laughs> Are you still playing gin? <laughs> well, we're done with that we play gin yeah oh, okay <laughs> nice. we on the uh, on the idea of i for lack of a better way to put them old ish games has anybody played uh bridge or tried no. to bridge is another one of those trick-taking games although i firmly believe that bridge there are no actual rules to bridge it's just the littlest oldest lady <laughs> says that the cards she sets down are worth something and she names it <laughs> and no one wants to con- contradict her. Yeah. So she just, yeah. It's a game all about rank, not the cards, the player. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Bridge, uh, bridge is one of the, my favorite thing about bridge is, is a saying, believe it or not. It's like bridge is like sex. If you don't, if you don't have a good partner, you better have a good hand. See, yeah. I, and I've heard that, uh, applied to Euchre and spades as well. Yeah. It's a bridge saying originally. From, mm. Yeah. I, I think, it was Omar Sharif that said it, but I mean, 
Right. And that's something else that blew my mind. For how many years, when I look at the comics, there was a bridge section by Omar Sharif. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. This is dude, same name as Omar Sharif, <laughs> that likes bridge. And no, it's actually the actor. Yeah. I suspect if you actually do know how to play bridge, you kind of view heart spades and euchre the same way. Like someone who's into hardcore board games looks at Candyland. It's like, you think these are the same thing, but get on my level. Yeah. Or the way chess players look at pretty much anybody else. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I know that Pat and I are at different points in our lives have both been into heart spades and euchre. Yep. Uh, how about you guys? Uh, do you have a favorite? Uh, I used to play when I, when I was in junior college, I played it up at, uh, I was at Juliet junior college, oldest junior college in the country. Yay. Um, <laughs> used to play Euchre in between classes all the time. I mean, it was, it was, there wasn't even a matter of conversation. It was four people sat down at a table deck came out and you just started playing. Uh, so a good, like two years of my life was in between classes playing playing euchre. Yeah, we used to play euchre on the uh, choir trips all the time. It's a good game. It really is. I mean, it's if you what's another one of those where you have a partner involved and you got to be able to read them well enough without doing any table talk to I prefer spades myself. I yeah. agree. I will revisit euchre when we get to the now cuz it's a game I barely played uh, basically until the last 10 years. Ooh. Um but spades was all, always my game. And uh, although for years and years and years, I loved spades, but could only find people willing to play hearts. Uh, So I ended up getting pretty good at both. But like if I said I am especially good at one of the three, it's spades. That's one of the things, one of the few things I miss about Tanya was we used to, you know, play spades with her and her friends all the time. Do you guys, here's another guilty pleasure, stupid game with 52 cards, uh, spoons. I've played it, but it, it not. I mean, that's probably my the out of all the games we're going to talk about, the one I played the least. I've played it once, and it was at your house, Mike. Really? <laughs> Somehow, like I was always aware it existed, but it was so completely outside my experience <laughs> that yeah, until we were at a party at your at your place, I had never actually sat down to play it. I forget. Uh, there was one party I was at. We were playing spoons on a on a on a, one of those cheap ass Walmart folding tables. And it was, you know, you, it was there was drinking involved. We started playing spoons, and then somebody discovered that if you, when you went to grab a spoon, if you whack the table real hard, it was like a trampoline and shot the spoons up into the air, and we destroyed that table. <laughs> uh, um, I, I wasn't there for that. No, I've, I'm trying I've to remember where it was. Not familiar with that one. Reminds me of uh, everyone deciding to stop playing speed because there were too many injuries. <laughs> A speed and what was the other one? Blackjack, or more recently, Egyptian rat ratfuck. I'm not familiar. Yeah, I don't know that one. Oh, uh, they're they're all real time card games where you have to reach out and grab stuff from the center pile. Yeah, I'm no good at those games. And yeah, like I always got someone who would jam their fingernails into my hand because <sighs> I was fastest, but not fast enough to get there without getting basically scratched up. Uh. Um, bl- Blackjack's a different game. There is a game uh, involving jacks that is like speed. Okay. Well, to to weigh in real quick, um, I've played spades, but hearts was always the one that seemed to be the most frequently played at family gatherings. Um, and before we move on to the next section, I do have to mention, uh, or we haven't mentioned a game 
Solitaire. Oh, yeah, I, I had forgotten about that. 52 card deck game. That was one I played pretty often. I mean, before, before you know, you could play it on the computer. Um, that was one that I, I used to play every once in a while when I was at home. Um, nothing else to do. I'm like, oh, I'll play some solitaire. Uh, little known, little known fact: If you have a deck of cards and you know how to play solitaire, you can never be lost. Huh? Yep. I'm lost. Ask me how. Okay. Buy the how? book. I think you underestimate my ability to get lost. <laughs> All you got to do, if you're like, just wherever you are, if you're lost, just sit down, take your deck, and start playing solitaire. And before you know it, some asshole's going to show up behind you and be like, play that jack on that queen. <laughs> oh, thanks for that joke, Grandpa. <laughs> and then you can ask him for directions. <laughs> I had a book when I was a kid of like 97 different solitaire variants, and some of them were really, really... Uh, uh, like obscure with different setups might require two decks. Yeah, I, I, I've actually, I think I still have a book like that. Like Spider, I think is a two deck. Yeah. Um, I this this actually my my relationship with uh, all of my grandparents was all pretty. A lot of it was based around fifty-two card deck games. Um, they're the ones that that taught me. My grandfather on my uh, mother's side is the one that taught me poker. Um, every time I went up to Missouri to visit, uh, and I would go visit him, we would play poker while watching John Wayne movies. Nice. And, uh, so he's the one that taught me how to play a seven card stud, five card draw, um, and got me started on the gambling lifestyle. So thanks a lot, grandpa. Uh, Uh, my dad, (laughs) my dad taught me blackjack, five card draw and seven card stud. Those were the, my first exposure to all three of those games. And then on my uh, on my dad's side, my grandma and my 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 uh, grandfather, we used to play card games all the time. We would sit around the table playing uh, pitch or uh, rummy or what I mean anything. And then uh, frequently, a couple times a week, we would go down to the senior center. And me, you know, I'd be the little you know ten, eleven year old kid going around playing you know playing pitch with all the old people and taking nickels off of them and everything. And they all loved me and thought I was just a precocious little shit, but so my grandparents pretty much instilled this whole love of cards into me, leading me to the life of luxury that I know now. <laughs> wow, you even managed to make the card game show a downer. <laughs> it's, it's an ability, man. It really is. <laughs> that started with your grandparents teaching you cards. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I. In all honesty, I don't. It, look back on it sadly or anything i love it i mean th- those times with my grandparents were were a lot of fun i'm learning how to play i found finally found the book uh that i had gotten to learn how to play poker uh it's, i think i showed it to you pat saturday night poker it's got a 200 different variants of poker in there and it's written by james, oh yeah you did yeah yeah, yeah. it's written by oh, james I'm... ernst mike selenker and phil folio yeah because apparently those three get together to play poker all the time but some reason or another, it hits me right at the right level for learning this stuff. So little by little, I'm picking yeah, up. Yeah, I have played poker with two of the three of those. I've never played poker with Phil. I think I think Will has played with all of them. Yeah, yeah, because uh, th- those guys, aside from Phil, who didn't attend, uh, were regulars at the uh, game industry's annual convention in Vegas. So like most of the poker players who were uh, in big names in gaming community at one point or another have sat across the table from me. Nice. So what did we play outside of Magic? What did we play in college? 
Skip uh, class. I was going to say, I think it was mostly hearts and spades. I know Patrick played a little more Euchre, and one time I got into a Euchre tournament. But, uh, like, I was always pushing for a hearts or spades tournament because back in the day I hated Euchre. Hmm. And I will always just play anything. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I was trying. I mean, I, I really gave it a good hard thought to try to think of any other game that wasn't a CCG that we tried to play at... Uh at school and it was mostly video games and RPGs. If we had that kind of time, <clears throat> like right. if we had cards in our hand, they were probably magic cards. Yeah. Most of, most of the time we ever played with a deck yeah. of cards would be like when we were traveling somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I know oh, traveling 96. Um, I, that's where I picked up my first box of flux cards. And I remember playing that with, uh, out of the apartment and what was the other one? Um, we played lunch money. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, do. I remember. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying I remember that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, those sorts of games, like <laughs> games on that level where there isn't a uh, high amount of strategy and decision-making, I, I was kind of snooty and uppity about them. They're still not my favorite games to play, but, like, I've changed my thinking. Like, there's a big difference between sitting down and trying to play, like, a hardcore card game or just sitting down and throwing flux cards around. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I, there's sometimes where I like a good, intricate game. Sometimes it's just easier to sit down and have a reason to talk and play a game. But, uh, yeah, Flux, and that's one of the, we had initially talked a little bit about um, ones that you bring bring with, but that's from Flux, and uh, there's another one that we'll talk oh, about in the second 18 half. 18 would be another one from college. Which one? 18. Wizards of the Coast. No one remembers this. 18? Guillotine. Oh, Guillotine. I, I'm sorry, you blanked out a little bit there. Yeah, Guillotine. You, you, you were uh, Skyping out. Oh, uh, Skyping. Oh, yeah. Guillotine. And then if there's Guillotine, there's um, uh, Great Del Moody also. Yeah, Great Del Moody, which is basically asshole without the asshole name. Right. <laughs> but you, the hardest thing about Great Del Moody is getting enough people together to play it. Because I think you need at least, what, like six or eight people? Yeah. I mean, I ended up playing a lot of Del Moody as asshole in bars in the now, <laughs> which we'll get back to. All right. But yeah, I can't think. I think we're pretty good for the then, then, he said. One more question on there. Oh. Uh, games you hated as a kid. On occasion, Uno. <laughs> and some last comment. Yeah. Fucking Uno. So many <laughs> yeah, times. I think I'm with you on that. That was probably I, the one I hated most as a kid. I don't I don't think I, I hated any, have hated any card games. Yeah. I mean, outside of 52 card pickup, just to continue that joke, but... I mean, I always enjoyed playing with the family whenever we played something and and or solitaire by myself. So and, you know, whenever we play, it was always a good time just because there's a lot of shit talking and hanging out. So, yeah, and that's the thing about Uno. It was both one of my favorite games and my least favorite games at the same time. So but playing, I, I think Uno may have been the origin of my distaste for games where uh, what comes up next is more important than making an interesting decision. Mm hmm. Like, even before I knew that was going to be a particular sticking point for me in games, as a kid, that always bothered me. It's like, I, I played the best I could and just got wrecked. I made bonus cards for my Uno deck. Because they actually, they'll package them with blank ones now, so in case you lose one, you can like just make another, you know, red four or whatever you need. I took those blank ones and I made... I. I forget what it was. I mean, almost draw almost, 48. <laughs> yeah, draw 48. No, it was like, oh, um, cumul I forced the rule cumulative draw twos. Have you ever played Uno like that? 
So if I play a draw two and then Pat has a draw two, he can play it on top of that one. Oh yeah, that's it's funny. I think Uno is one of those games like Monopoly where most people don't play by the rules as written. Right. And there was one of them that I put in there that led up to this the, this story happening was I had one there called the Magnet. So if you played the Magnet, there was a specific way you would have to play a draw four um a yeah four color wild to get rid of it. But while the magnet was in front of you, anytime somebody played a draw two or a draw four, it went to you instead of them. Huh. So I had these four cards that I mixed in there with it, but I had left my Uno deck at Jay and Amanda's house, and they it was it was there for a while, and then out of the blue, I get home from work, had a worst fucking day. I was just like, I just want to go to bed. It's ten o'clock at night. I'm done. Shitty day. My phone rings. I pick it up, and it's Biff, and she goes, "You and your." fucking stupid ass uno cards and hangs up on me and i was just like what i didn't well apparently she got the magnet and wasn't quite as happy about it as i didn't realize that they were playing it and i just got yelled at the second i got home i was just like <laughs> i don't even know what i did so i did you know that you can only play the draw for a wild card if you have no other legal cards i did not know that yep that's that's an official huh. rule the other thing is, is uh, Uno rules as written isn't a whoever goes out first wins. It's a points game. You uh, score points for uh, What's left stuff in your hand. that other people are left in their hand. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's and I think it's one of those where there are dozens and dozens of different variants of playing Uno. Yeah, but like I said, it's very much like Monopoly, where most people think they know how to play Uno and have never played it right in their life. Right, and usually wind up having some sort of fight during the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, even when you're not there. Yeah, I know, right? I was <laughs> just like, I don't even know. Why are you yelling at me? So, <laughs> all right. So when we get back, we are going to talk about card games now, what we've talked about uh, and what we played now. So now I think it'll also change up because I think after the 2000 is when more of us started regularly going to Gen Con and picking up new games. Yeah, this is probably going to be a backloaded show because we talked about learning poker and blackjack, but I think most of us had our significant gambling games experience post year 2000. And still do to this day. And Hatcher. still do to this day. Exactly. All right, we'll be back in a little bit. We are talking about uh, card games now. Yeah, this is going to be, especially now, something where I'm going to have to intentionally put myself in check. Because for all of the hours I spend reading comic books, watching TV and movies, for every hour I spend doing that, I probably spend 10 hours playing games. So if we were just to talk about the card games, if I was the only one talking, and I talked about all of the card games I've been playing since the year 2000, this would be a seven-hour show. Yes. I agree with that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, so, see what I we... bet you can't. Oh, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> so, Josh, just we'll start with you then. What is your go-to game? 
Man, dude, that's so difficult. It's like asking someone who is a food writer, like, what's your go-to item to eat? (laughs) Um, That's a really difficult question just because I play so many. And uh, I would say card games are like my fourth most often played type of game. Okay, so let's put you in a situation then. You've got somebody at the house not is a their their card games that they have in their closet are that Skipbo and Uno. That's where they are on the on the gaming progression chart. They Why am play, I at this person's house? No, he's at your or house. At your house. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's they, me. Oh, okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's Kim it's Kim Jong un. Kim Jong un <laughs> wants to play a card game. What do you play? War. Um <laughs> I see what you did yeah, there. I like that. Um no, someone just starting out in in card in gaming, teach them a card game, what do you play? Well, I mean it also depends on whether we're talking two player, four player specifically like a trick taking game. There there are just so many different games that are appropriate for different situations. Like, if I've got four players and they are familiar with Asshole, Del Moody, or Spades, mm-hmm. uh, th- th- one of the best card games and one I used extensively in the classroom was an ancient Chinese card game called Tichu, which is a combination of <laughs> Del Moody, poker, and the same skills you would play in Euchre Spades Hearts. I laugh because that is my in-laws go-to game. Really? Really. I and, and I will tell you this right now. I at this point, I hate teach you. <laughs> it's I liked it initially. I mean, like my father in law is obsessively like if if you're playing with him and you don't play the trick right, that's the end of it. You're done. I could see that because teach you is one of those games where you'll play fifty games and believe you've got it down. Mm-hmm. And then you play 50 more games and you realize, holy shit, this game goes deep. Yeah. it. I won't say it's a, It's definitely not a bad game. It is actually a great game. I just distress, man. Yeah, <laughs> I ended up teaching uh, about eight high school seniors who had behavior problems but were intellectually normal in a special ed setting how to mm. play that, and they became teach-you masters. Because when uh, you can get your wor- all your work done in the first hour of the day and sit around playing partners teach-you for five hours a day, five days a week, you get really, really fucking good at teach-you. I, I believe, that sounds like I believe that. Yeah, I, and that's the thing, is you are the first person I've ever heard of who knows teach-you and isn't indirectly having been exposed to it by me or someone else I've taught. No, this one was introduced by my brother-in-law, and it's like my father-in-law will takes it on vacation. You know, you you you're over at the place, you're sitting down, you're playing Tichu. I've never heard of this game. Oh, I it either. is the greatest trick-taking game ever made. Yeah, I have I have to agree with him on this. This is a it is a great game. If and you're not playing the, with your father-in-law. The first words in the uh, rule book are Tichu cannot be taught, and it's really true because if you try to explain Tichu to someone. Uh, they're just going to get lost. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you a couple basics and you're going to fuck up your first four games. And by the fifth game, it's going to click. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how you, how you have to play it. You can't say, here's the rules let's, and play it. You all, you have to sit down. It's going to be at least 30 minutes before it, you see that spark where they know that, it, you know, they got it. 
Yeah, and once uh, someone gets the, okay, this is how the game works, then they have years or decades to pursue mastery of it. And I, I'm a good Tichu player. I am by no means a master. Yeah, it's definitely, if you, if you see it, grab it, because it a, it's, it's a great game just to keep on the shelf type of thing. Yeah, and it's basically... Well, now, that I'm, now that I'm done reading about a Pokemon, waiting to find out what the fuck card game has to do with this, I'll find, I found the right spelling of this. <laughs> uh, T-I-C-H-U. Yeah, too late. Thank you. <laughs> I'm well, reading that's... all about, about this fucking Pokemon thing going, where's the card game? <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, really is something to be experienced. And I think, honestly, Patrick, you in particular would love it. Mm-hmm. Although definitely it's got the same problem with spades, where if you've got two partners who have played together uh, for a long time, two new players don't really even have a chance. Yeah, not at all. That And you are completely right on that, because when I started learning how to play it, my brother-in-law and father-in-law had been playing it for months before that. Now, not happening. They slapped the shit out of you. So, but yeah, definitely definitely a game to uh, to pick up, having your repertoire of games. Hmm. <clears throat> never heard of this. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to look into it. Yeah. Oh, dude, I would be so down if we could uh, get four people together who uh, loved to play Teach You. Mike, unfortunately, sounds like he will never be one of them, but <laughs> I'll <laughs> play it. he knows it. No, he no, no. Play it. He just doesn't want to play it with his father-in-law. Yeah, that's exactly it right there. I mean, because like I said, if you don't play it right when you're playing with my father-in-law, he's like, well, you know, there's that whole no table talk rule doesn't kind of work with him. Oh, I mean, that's like uh, I said, I'd come back to Euchre. Euchre is my in-law's game of choice. Mm. And... Um, her mom always wants to play Euchre, and we always pretend we don't want to play to mess with her. <laughs> uh, but regularly, if they're at our place or we're at their place, we're going to play two to three games of Euchre. Sarah and I are partners, and Rick and Ginny are partners. And when a partner makes a bad move, things can get really uncomfortable because we've been playing together so long. Mm. So where'd Joel go? I'm here. <laughs> okay. I just... I... I've never heard of Teach You, and uh, I'm trying to think of the last time I played a card game after 1999. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the last time you played a card game, Joel, was Gen Con, probably. Yep. Well, that wasn't a collectible card game. Well, yeah, we played a lot of Flux. Yeah. You were playing with us, right? Yeah, when we played those guys in the Monty Python game? Well, no, that, was, that wasn't Gen Con. I was thinking Drinking Flux we played last year in August. Maybe Joel wasn't with us. Did we play Drinking Flux? Yeah. I know I did. That was what started the uh, night out with Rick. That was with Andy Rick. Oh, that's right. I was down there, but I wasn't playing. Okay. Yeah, I think Joel and I didn't play Drinking Flux. You guys were playing. So I was... Because I I went downstairs, and that's how I met Rick, and then you guys came down, and... Because you guys were playing it while I was downstairs. You guys were drinking while I was downstairs smoking. That makes sense. But I remember you guys playing it. Yes. No. And Joel was probably sitting in the chair watching. Yes. And chatting with somebody else, I think, who was down there. So, Mike, what's your go-to if we know Tichu is your non-go-to if you're with your (laughs) (laughs) father-in-law? My go-to for people who, outside of Flux, I mean, I try to teach people Flux, but one of the other things that I've tried to, um, if we're going to somebody's house from a party and they say bring a game, I grab a game called The Works. It's the um, Girl Genius game. Ah, yes, the repurposed non-pornographic xenophile. Exactly, yes. So uh, it's 
and it's a it had maybe about 80 cards and the way it works is you deal out the cards into this um into a square on the table with cards going in alternate alternate directions so once they're perpendicular to each other and then you in according to the way it says in the rules you pop a card you rotate a card 90 degrees and then when things line up on the opposite sides so you'll have like uh, clovers on one side or diamonds or whatever it meant whatever the icons are when you turn them if they match up those cards pop and you get those cards and there's points depending on what the card is there's uh, things that have that occur you know like if you pop this card then pop the, these three cards that are immediately around it and that triggers off a reaction across the whole game so you just only it taps out at four players so you really can't play more than that but <clears throat> It's what I like about it is that it's an one. The art is amazing because all the art's done by Phil Folio, so it's and it's all characters from the um, the Girl Genius uh, online comic, and it's got a sense of humor to it because Phil Phil, and the the mechanics while they're not normal game mechanics for a card game, they're not so over the top ridiculous like some that will drive somebody away from stepping out of Uno. There, it's it's a, a comfortable game to teach somebody who you want to get into more um, in-depth games. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So that's that's my go-to, and it's and it's small, easy to carry around. You know, stick it in your pocket, throw it in your bag, and I have like three copies, so that's my go-to. Pretty much all my go-to games now are are revolve around a fifty-two deck of fifty-two card deck of cards. What's it called? Uh, well, <laughs> gin or um. Poker, obviously, mm-hmm. or there's a big one um, that's popular right now called Big Deuce. Um, you have a picture of that, don't you? I was going to say, I had one of those this morning. <laughs> um, it's similar to a game called uh, called Kong or um, oh, there's another game similar to it. I can't think of what it's called. It's a, a, Asian. But anyway, um, Big Deuce is a, it's a gambling game um, where... Deuces are the highest rank. You deal out the there's a four player game. You deal out the entire deck, and whatever the first person who has the lead plays, you have to follow. Like if they play a pair, you have to play a pair. If they play a five card hand, you have to play a five card hand. Huh, that's and, that's a big element in teach you as well. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. So it's probably very similar then, and it's all about you know getting all the cards out of your hand and who you know it, you have to pay out based on how many cards you have left in your hand. If you have, you know, more than ten cards, you got to pay double. If you have all thirteen cards, you got to pay triple. If you have more than ten cards, you got to pay double. Okay. Or more uh, than eight cards, depending eight or ten, depending on what region you're in. And but that's that's a big one that a lot of people play. It's either gin or big deuce that people play while they're waiting for the poker game to kick off. Your statement that uh, you almost entirely play games with uh, fifty-two cards, I can refute that with three words: cards against humanity. <laughs> well. Actually, um, I don't really play that much anymore because I don't hang out with people anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I was gonna I, say I remember you just being obsessed with I, that. Yeah, game. When, back back uh, when I was much more social, that's that was my favorite card game of all. I love that game so much. I have. Um, oh. I I have the well uh, as of like probably two years ago, I had every card that they had ever made in existence, and they've made more since. But um, I have like the long. Big black box, as they call it. And, you know what blows it. my mind is you can get the biggest blackest box at Target now. Yep. Okay. Well, then I have played. Uh, I have played Cards Against Humanity on more than one occasion, actually. So 
I forgot about that. For some reason, I was putting it in the collectible card game because you can collect other sets, but it's not. In no, it's not games. collectible in the fact that you know you don't try to keep them pristine or they don't have any value or anything like that. Well, basically, right. non-random, I think, is the big difference between collectible because you can have games where you build custom decks, but so long as you can buy the whole collection in a box, it's not a collectible card game. Which I we um have had a couple of work get-togethers and have played that. And it's hilarious. And we actually played it uh, at Gen Con one yeah. year. Yep. So, uh, so, some of the biggest laughs I've ever had in my life have been playing Cards Against Humanity because some of the combinations of cards that come up are just, I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking comedy gold. Well, if you get the right people with the warped mindset, things can get really... Even if you get the wrong people, theoretically, because we play that with Sarah's extended family... And it's like, you know, somebody that doesn't even know what a card means sometimes can just play a card perfectly. Yeah. Or people who you wouldn't think, mm-hmm. but like, the, uh, like the straight-laced sister-in-law through marriage just plays the most obscene thing. Or And then Sarah's mom... Like, how do you know what Bukaki is? Right. Yeah. And then Sarah's mom manages to play something dirtier. <laughs> it's like, what just happened? And I, I have another one that I have played because that, that struck a chord and I remembered another one. Exploding Kittens. Mm-hmm. That's a fun game as well. Um, I played that with um, my another work friend get together, and my friend Mike, who I used to work with, uh, works for the city now. He uh, he bought it, and there was I think four or five of us playing, and that was a lot of fun. Especially the was it Zombie Cat? Yeah, yeah, I like the that game. one. I'm in that in that genre of weirdness games. I'm a big fan of uh, Kittens in a Blender. I don't know that one. It kind of plays like guillotine, where you have the blender in the middle, and you're trying to force your opponent's kittens into the blender and get your kittens into the safety box. But you only that's get... The, that's the one you bought for Katie when we were at Gen Con, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but you have to... The the object is you want to you blend your opponent's kittens to get the points for when you blend them, but occasionally you may have to blend one of your own kittens to, uh, to get those points. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. been there. <clears throat> <laughs> With a card game thing, one of the things that I've wanted to get into, but I'm kind of terrified to, is the legendary series of deck building games. Oh yeah, there's there's a whole a, a question about deck builders because that's a whole nother animal. Yeah, that's. I that, love deck builders aside from the one which is the gateway for most people, which is a game called Dominion. Yes. Basically, deck builders, because I'm not even sure Pat and uh, Joel necessarily know what they are, You, sh- everyone starts with the same, like, six-card deck of cards, and you draw a fixed hand, usually between three and five, and you have to play all of your cards, but when you don't have any more, you shuffle your discard back into your deck, and some of your cards allow you to buy new cards off of a tableau that's sitting on the table, and your deck gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more complicated, and you build kind of this engine to get yourself points, to do other things, to buy more cards, mm-hmm. etc. And what's nice about that is that you can you can play a different deck every time you play it and not have to worry about like magic going on and getting the right deck or pulling the right cards or whatever, because the everybody pulls from the same group of 100 cards, 150 cards, and they deal out in front of you. I've got the big trouble in Little China one that I've been trying to get people to play with me here for a while. Dude, I am down. Awesome. I will bring it 
I, uh, I was going to say, yeah, we, we just need to, because I, I know Sarah would play too, because she loves deck builders. Sometimes yeah. it's hard for me to get her to play card or board games because I'm so into them, mm-hmm. but she loves deck builders. Well, and the difference between something like that or Marvel Legendary and Dominion is Dominion is basically we're all playing solitaire against each other until somebody wins. Mm-hmm. Where with those, you've got this theme where it's like you're trying to defeat supervillains or you're trying to fight Lopan. Right, right. And that's and the other thing is it's it's got all all the genres that I want. I mean, the uh, the Big Trouble Little China one I bought because I they pulled a life size. They basically painted up a, a, a truck like the Pork Chop Express from the movie at uh, Gen Con one year. I walked by, saw a game with Kurt Russell's face on it, which was like, here's my money. <laughs> yes, you did. I remember. I, <laughs> I don't there. know what this does, but I want it. Uh, but Aliens, Predator, uh, Firefly. I mean, they've got a ton of these games that all have these uh, themes to them that would just be, you know, great to play. But yeah, d- deck builders are so huge now. Uh, there's one uh, designed by professional magic players that is straight up just a two player uh, put it in your pocket and play a little deck builder called Star Realms, which is another favorite of mine. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Star Realms. I have not picked up on that one, but I mean, the other one I want to I want to get for the for play with the family is the uh, Hogwarts Battle at um, the Battle at Hogwarts Harry Potter game. Yeah, that's brand new. I think came out last week. Uh, came out last year, Gen Con. Did it? Yeah. For some reason I thought it was really recent because oh. there was a big thing on Reddit about it. There was an expansion that came out. Oh, that's why. That's because I like, yeah, I went to, I didn't know the expansion came out and I went over, to, I went to um, Barnes and Noble one time. I saw it. It was on sale for like 25. I'm like, oh, it's only 25 bucks. Oh my God. Oh, it's an expansion. Aw. So. The base game is uh, 40 bucks with Prime on Amazon right now. Ooh. That's not too bad. No, that's good at all. So, but yeah, I mean, that's what I like about that is like, I get my fix for card games and not playing the same deck every time, but I don't have to dump, you know. I'm however much money I've dumped into magic to play it. <laughs> let's not go down that. Yeah. Road. Let's not, let's not say that those numbers out loud. <laughs> that would be interesting is to figure out like no, no losses in gambling versus losses in games purchased and not played. Oh, I don't know if I would want to know. I, I, I don't think any of us wants to know that number. Like Joel would be pretty happy with his numbers, but the other three of us would just get depressed. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't want to know my gambling losses. Overall, I, I used Aww. to keep track of it and then I stopped because <laughs> I was like, this is just depressing me. Well, it's like you've got the huge gambling losses. Mike has the uh, huge. I bought a bunch of games and don't play them. And I have both. <laughs> Joel's total is four. <laughs> um, Joel once gambled and bought a game he doesn't play. Before we get into gambling. Uh, let's talk about games that we hate and why, because I'm not going to give a list. Cause even the games I just hate would probably take a half hour. Poker. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> hate it. Andrew love it. Hey, what yep. are you, what are you doing later today, Pat? Playing poker. What <laughs> are you doing tomorrow, Pat? Sleeping because I played poker all night. <laughs> this is getting... Thanks for helping bring the show up, Joel. That's, Hey, that's what I do. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a card game that I won't that I just won't play. Yeah, I don't think I have one. For me, it it's uh, there's a series of mechanics that drive me up the wall. Uh, one of them is what I call the "I'm about to win, no fuck you" card. 
a lot of the Steve Jackson games, like Munchkin's really bad for that. Oh, yeah. Screw you, Munchkin. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those where it's like, oh, I have this perfect turn, but someone's just been sitting on a card which says, fuck you, you can't win this turn. And whoever wins is the person who tries to win when no one has a fuck you card. Yep. Uh, There's a little bit of that even in Exploding Kittens with the Nopes, where your strategy isn't what lets you win. You're being lucky to try to win when no one can stop you with one card is what makes you win the game. Basically, nobody having the stopper card is how you win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not like magic where, at least with a counterspell, someone had to not only have it in their hand, but have open mana. You can't play around these fuck you cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and any game it's a mechanic made to keep the game going. Yes. Yeah. And any game which uh, uh, your decisions don't matter. Like I don't like Munchkin because of fuck you cards, but I hate Killer Bunnies with a passion. I think it's one of the worst games ever designed because the stuff you are collecting, there's like a random victory condition. And you do all of these things and you collect these carrots and nobody knows which one is the win condition. So all of your strategies don't advance you towards winning. They buy you a lottery ticket, one of which wins randomly at the end of the game. So it's not like Flux where that's pretty much built into the the heart of the game. No, it's like you have bunnies, they eat carrots. Now, if I eat 50 carrots... And Joel's playing his bunnies and he eats two. I have a greater chance of winning. But if the specific carrot that is the win condition is one of Joel's two, everything I did doesn't matter. Uh, you could stack the odds in your favor, but you know they could still hit that one outer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did think of a card game that I don't, uh, a gambling card game that I won't play. It's called um, Chinese Poker. Um, it's just basically, it's a different version of, of playing poker um you can play it up to like four-handed and like you put you know you, you get your cards dealt and you have to set them in a certain you know you, you set a five card hand a five card hand and a three card hand and you know each hand it's very similar to pie gal but it but basically long story short is I, I got really frustrated with it because i was doing nothing but paying people out because and i was like i already have a game where other people can hit their draws and i can't hit mine that i lose money in. i don't need another one so I, I quit. I rage quit that game. Paid everybody all the money I owed them, and have been, haven't played it since. <laughs> so you won't play a poker game? That one, just... poker, the Chinese poker. Yeah, open. It's called Open Face Chinese Poker. I won't play it. Huh? And like you know, majority of the table games in the casino, I don't play. Did you play Pi Gal when it was a thing? I still do. I love Pi Gal. It's my favorite table game. Yeah, it's mine too. Pi Gal, Pi Gal poker, and uh, I play when I'm in a casino. 95% of my time is in the poker room. The, the other 5% is probably like uh, 4% Pi Gal and 1% Blackjack. I'll play Blackjack if I'm with somebody that wants to play Blackjack. That's pretty much it. I, I used to be all about Caribbean Stud, but you can never find tables running it anymore. At least no, not. Especially on the riverboats, you're not going to find those. Yeah. All right. The, so I was going to say, since you guys are, are traipsing over into that... <laughs> <laughs> Gambling. Joel, when was okay? Let's get this out of the way. Joel, when was the last time you played a game where you actually gambled? Money. Uh, Oh, I don't know if I've (laughs) ever really gambled. Well, no, that's not true. On my thirtieth birthday, um, which would have been two thousand four, I did play. uh, We went. The guys took me to a casino, and I played um, blackjack and lost. (laughs) But that was it, and that was like a twenty dollars maybe. 
and that's it. I don't gamble. I How have, about you, Mike? I have never been in a casino. Ever? Ever. Not even have to like ever. to sightsee? Nope. Never. Have you ever with the two of you? What's that? Have you ever played poker for money, Mike? I have. I have. Okay. Wanted to play poker for money at um uh Suzanne's cousin's house. That was when I I lost some, but it was one of those where he, he, her cousin knows I'm a gamer, but game to him is very different. <laughs> so he's like, hey, I got this, I got this Texas Hold'em poker table now. Let's go play a game. I know you're into games, that sort of thing. And I was like. Yeah, cool, let's do that. And then went back to eating and drinking, and then later on he was like, oh, hey, we're going to start playing. Realized I was getting roped into this, so I immediately said I had to go to the bathroom, ran upstairs to the bathroom upstairs, gave Will a call. He gave me a rundown on how to play Texas Hold'em Poker before I went back down there to play. And then this is where I think you've you've said this before, Patrick, is where you can beat a bad player, but you can't beat a clueless player. Yep. <laughs> I was left, it was just me, and Susie's cousin as a final two players. Everybody's dropped out of this game. And they're just like, I mean, we both got these chips in front of us. And I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's like the dog in the meme. I have no clue what's happening. You know, you're not going to fold, are you? Oh, yeah, I am. Or you're not going to call. Whatever these words are, the, the, the hell I won't. You know, and Suzanne's sitting off to the side this whole time going, he has no clue. No idea what's going on with this game. So basically, you knew what beats what, and that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Knew what beats what? He told yeah, me about. You're the, the kind of guy that I will get to call. You know, when I have two kings and you'll have like seven three and you'll flop two pair and, and beat me. That yeah, that sounds like exactly something I would do. I have no yeah. idea what you just said. <laughs> I was like, what? I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I will get, I will get you to put your money in so bad and you'll hit something. Okay. <laughs> You've just sparked a, a, a memory. Here's a true story. This is this is how I run in poker, especially against awful players. This is a this is a hundred percent true story. If I if if I could give you guys the phone numbers of the guys that were sitting at the other end of the table laughing at me, um, they could co- they could collaborate. But um, collaborate, no corroborate. Word. Yeah, I know. As soon as I said it, I was like, that's not the right word. Um, this guy comes in. We're, I'm playing in a tournament, and this guy comes in at the last minute and registers. You know, it's literally like the last round you can register for the tournament, and he is drunk off his ass. He's sitting one seat to my left. I'm sitting, you know, a poker table is like an oval. You guys know that, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting at one end of the oval, and he's sitting immediately to my left. So the way the way he's sitting and as drunk as he is, every single time he picks up his cards, he's just showing them right to me. He's not, you know, uh, he's not leaving them on the table. He's picking them up and just holding them like almost, you know, in front of his face like a magazine looking at them. So I can see exactly what they are. I know... This guy's two cards in his hand. He does not know mine, and I'm purposely raising and getting involved in pots with him, and I cannot beat him <laughs> because every single time, whatever it is he needs, he's hitting, and I'm like, I can't bet him out because he just hit his flush. I can't bet him. You know, it's, it's you know that kind of crap. It's like, I mean, every single time he was flopping whatever he needed to beat me, and I just you know I'd get him to put all his money in with nothing, and he would catch whatever he needed. You know, like I mean. Like like um one hand I had ace king and I looked you know and he had you know he had jack five and I raised and he calls and the flop comes out completely nothing and I got him to put all his money in there with jack high and and then he turned to jack and won the pot and the guys at the other end of the table are just dying because they see exactly what's going on that I keep having to rebuy and you know and, and it, just, it was it was ridiculous at that point you had to be tilted I oh I hundred percent was yeah yeah 
It's just I'm I'm like, I'm like this is drunk this drunk motherfucker is showing me his hands and I still can't win. <laughs> God, that's a whaley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how did you get into serious poker? Because I believe you and I have different poker origin stories. Uh, well, mine started. Um, uh, what, how, what, well, it, it really depends on what you consider serious poker. Um, I mean, anything beyond like quarters at the dining room, like tournament poker. Uh, uh, well, okay. The very when I when I was uh, when I was with Angela um, was when I started my first home game. Um, we had a game. We were. Uh, I think you might have played in it once or twice, Josh. I, I played Park. in it for a long time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, up in when it was up in Rogers Park. Yeah, you were mm-hmm. one, you and you and Patrick Farrell were I think two of the regulars. Remember him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when I moved it to Andersonville, I think that was. By that point, you weren't playing in it anymore. But yeah, that was probably my my foray. That was a uh, three six limit game, round of each with uh, Texas Hold'em and seven card stud. Yeah, I remember starting uh, when I first started playing. I wasn't uh, very good at Hold'em, and I'd sit out when Hold'em was the game, and it eventually ver- uh, reversed itself where I, w- I would sit out when uh, Stud was the game. Because those were my two games, but uh, at some point uh, I got better at Hold'em than I ever was at Stud. But yeah, that was that was pretty much my foray into it. Um, I just I just started my own game in the apartment, and uh, it actually kind of stemmed from remember I had the um I had the uh what, what housewarming party, and just decided out on, on, on you know we all decided to spread a black game. All right, so we skyped out for a little bit there, and we are back and ready again. All right, so yeah, I was uh. I haven't had a success in poker since the poker boom, which happened around you know 2003, 2004. I used to win a lot more back um, when players recognized uh, some of the moves that I make, and it's you know to my detriment that I still kind of try to do things that it's a thing called uh, fancy play syndrome, where I do a lot of things that you know just a normal player doesn't even recognize. I'm making moves like three or four steps ahead of them, where they're you know they can't even look beyond their own two cards, and I'm trying to bluff at them with the, you know, naked ace, that kind of crap. And it's just, it's a lot more technical, but I mean, basically I'm doing things, you know, where, where people don't even recognize them anymore. And I'm still just, it's my own fault that I'm not adjusting my game to the new players. Right. Like you're trying to represent, you have a, and they don't even know what represent. It used to be a thing called table image, you know, where like, you know, you spend, you know, three hours folding, and then you play one hand and suddenly everybody, you know, realizes, hey, this guy hasn't played in forever. Now it's like, you know, a lot of guys don't, they, they I mean, I sit there and play for three hours folding everything. And then suddenly they come to life and play one hand and people can't wait to pay him off. <laughs> you know, it's just like when, when the three spades are out there and this guy's moving all in, you know, he's not bluffing. He hasn't played a hand in an hour, but, you know, they still get paid because table image means nothing anymore. Nobody pays attention. To- huh. I can get more complicated, but I don't want to. I don't want to lose Joel and. Yeah, I. I mean, I know that <laughs> I used to do stuff like that. Try as soon as I got the feel for live games, I'd try to overplay the fact that I looked younger, and people would assume I didn't know what I was doing. If I really had it and wanted to suck the old guys into the pot, I would slam my chips down like I'm overcompensating and don't have shit. Yep. And you know it's funny, like nine times, you know, well, not I, not nine times out of ten, but the, definitely the majority of the time, 
if you just you know play standard, it's going to be the right play. Yeah. Yeah, uh, trying to be tricky. I mean, it's the cards are still the cards. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, one of the things about poker that people don't really talk too much about, and it's something that I've actually always wondered why it's not a big topic of conversation among guys, is like, but it's like one of the keys of winning in poker is when you have a strong hand, somebody else has to have a strong hand too. Because, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you have the nut flush. If everybody else has four high, nobody's going to pay you off. Right. Did, did you say nut flush? <laughs> yes. I know. Th- I that basically, okay, I, I can explain this one without getting too crazy. It, it, the nut means the best possible uh, version of the hand. So, like, the nut four of a kind would be four aces. The okay. nut flush would be the flush that goes to the ace. Or a straight flush in some... Uh, or a straight flush, yeah. But that's what nut means. The, the nuts comes from... Uh, it's not 100% known where the term comes from, but the belief is back in the day, in the old old days of the wild, wild west, when you had the best hand and you ran out of money, you would throw the lug nuts from your wagon onto the... you know, be, Basically you know, showing that you're betting your wagon. So would people, That's interesting. I didn't know that. So, um, and just curiosity about the whole dynamics of that. I mean, would you go into a poker game and like deliberately take the lug nuts off your wagon and put them in your pocket then, or would you be like, oh shit, hang on, I gotta go, go out to my no, wagon? No, apparently, like that was the thing. Like there was a way to keep people from stealing your wagon, you know, because they can't steal it if the wheel comes off when they start walk, driving away. Okay, well that makes sense. But I mean, I don't know why thieves wouldn't then just walk around with their own lug nuts and just put them on, you know? Right. That would make sense. Yeah. So I think that probably is a, a load of shit, but story behind it okay so well i don't know where to go from the lug nut thing um (laughs) yeah the the nuts quote-unquote in poker is an unbeatable hand okay okay and it it can be different based on if you're playing hold'em what cards you can see you can know there can't possibly be four of a there aren't enough appropriate car out the best possible hand house or can only be a straight or be a straight flush okay all right so uh, seriously where are we going from here from that (laughs) you guys know what a living card game is no is it similar to the living like living world type thing living rpg no uh, a living card game is sort of this hybrid between a traditional game and a collectible card game uh a lot of uh, collectible card games that are no longer purchased have been re-released under this model. Uh, you don't buy packs. Nothing is random. You buy a box that is four copies of every card and everybody builds decks out of that. Or maybe everybody owns their own copy of the box. Like Netrunner. Yes. Netrunner was the first really popular living card game. Okay. Uh, Doomtown became a living card game. Game of Thrones became a living card game. And they're all sticky. So, yeah, while they will release more cards, an expansion might be 80 cards, uh, which are for each of the new cards that they're coming out for. So you never have to worry about, uh, I have to buy X number of packs and hope I get the one I want. Now, how does when, that, I'm sorry, how does that differ from a, from a deck builder game? Like the Big Trouble in Little China, the Legendary series. Because deck builders, you're not building a custom deck. Deck builders, you always start with this. Everyone starts with the same six cards and you buy more cards that go into your deck as a part of the default game mechanics. Oh, yeah. You're not sitting down and building a deck before you sit down to play with a deck builder. 
Okay. A living card game is much more like Magic or Deadlands, those those other traditional games, except they're not collectible in that you don't have to buy random packs. Okay. So it's like if, if we're, we went to sit down and play Magic and everybody had every card. Yes. Okay. That's exactly what it's like. Cool. I have never played one of those. It's like when they reprinted Nicole Bolas and just completely pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, the collecting aspect and the having to buy singles aspect is not a thing for living card games, although that's not to say they can't get expensive. I have probably played five or six games of the new Doomtown, uh, and I stopped buying the sets because I have probably spent $400 on Doomtown for those five or six games. Holy cats. Because I love the game so much, so every time a new set would come out, it's like, I need all the cards. Huh. So I bought them. And now you have them. And now I have them. <laughs> nice. No, I need to. I, I Netrunner. I need to get into because I always like the the original game, and I have. Now I don't know where this would stand on the way of collectability, but I still have like a box full of unopened boosters from the original game and the the one expansion that came out. I think Unfortunately, I've... I'm the wrong person to ask. Yeah, but I'll you know I can figure that out. Yeah, some of those old games though, like the original Doomtown cards, the collectible ones. Yeah. You just oh, it's a living card game, and that game's like 15 years old. They're not worth anything. You would be incorrect assuming that some of those cards are still two, three hundred. Oh wow, very cool. All right, so do you think we've uh, finished this up? Yeah, I don't know. We've got one last question, but I don't know if we've covered already. We talk about games to bring. Oh, Cards against humanity. I can't yeah. recommend it enough. You got a bunch of adults. Yeah, I've got uh say my my go to is usually flux and um the works. And my fucking internet went down again. Hello everybody, this is Mike. And if you can't tell, we've had a little technical issues with this and the guys have uh disappeared into the ether and uh we're just finishing off the show like this. So uh it is me. Uh, a way, if you're looking for our older stuff uh, for Fortigo 114, look for us online, fortigo14.com. Find our older stuff at iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, and all the other podcasting directories you can find. If you want to give us a call, call at uh, 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And uh, next week, we will be talking about uh, news radio, the old uh, sitcom, versus Parks and Recreation. So, uh, yeah, so catch up on those, and uh, be sure to give us a call or contact us on social media. Always like to hear from you guys, and uh, you have a great day. Bye. Statistically, people think this is interesting.